0: Hi, this is George Sandman. I am the founder and CEO of Growth Drive, and this is the Business Advisor Hot Seat. In the hot seat, you're gonna hear from industry leaders and thought leaders as they share their victories and failures, building advisory businesses, helping you and your colleagues, and helping clients get the results they want. I'm also the author of the Growth Driving Advisor, Proven Strategies for Leading Businesses from Stuck Best in class, and in this book, we share a methodology and process for leading clients to growing profits and transferable value. It's available on Amazon and Kindle. And if you like it, please be sure to leave a positive review. In this episode, we have as our guest John Brown of the Business Enterprise Institute home of the certified exit planner credential and John is the man who invented exit planning author of several books and with a vast amount of experience in helping both business owners and advisors get uh, get where they want to go we're lucky to have him so here we go this episode is brought to you by growth drive growth drive is the number 1 best selling business advising platform with training technology, and support you need to get the success you want. Find a win new engagements, expand your reach and impact, and build a thriving advisory business based on delivering client wins. Growth Drive. Find out more at growthdrive.com. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited. Uh, this week on the Business Advisor Hot Seat. We have um, Mr. John Brown of the Business Enterprise Institute on the hot seat, and uh, and welcome, John. It's great to see you. Great to see you again, George. Yeah, thanks. And uh, and John and I have been doing a lot of work together since since we met actually at your conference in August, which I'll be back at this year for sure. Oh, great, great. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we were just chatting, and we met when I I pounced on the opportunity to be uh to be a Thank guest you. on your podcast and we had a great conversation and actually that conversation led to more you know we just kept the conversation uh conversation going about not just about exit planning about all things value value growth transferable value yeah um what do you what's top of mind for you today
1: these days i should say well what's top of mind with me today since i'm doing uh a presentation tomorrow on this topic is owner-based planning.
0: Um, so we have
1: a training course tomorrow and the day following two, three-hour sessions on owner-based planning, and that's for business advisors. Yeah. Help
0: yeah can, you, can you tease that out a little bit? One, a little bit of a color of infomercial. I'm a huge fan of the owner-based planning program. In fact, I, I uh, participated in your inaugural yeah. session.
1: Yeah, it, it's in, you did a, just a swell job, George. I want you. To <laughs> Thank you. It was great. No, it's fun. So BEI started as an exit planning entity, and we yeah. it's, it's still very active. And today, and in fact, I just did a session with uh, our advanced training course in exit planning uh, last week. So it's still very active. Mm-hmm. But exit planning focuses on growing value with the idea that the owner is going to exit and so that's the focus of of exit planning growing value protecting value but there's going to be an exit so the design is for an exit it might be to a third party it might be to the kids whatever so a lot of the planning and implementation deals with the actual exiting of a business Mm owner-based planning is not that yeah. Owner-based planning is simply helping owners grow and protect business value and, and pr- ensure the business continues. So it's not a focus on exit planning at all, It's but it's a focus on growing value and protecting value. And part of the inspiration for that, giving you all the credit you deserve, is your book. Oh, it, the first Thank you. few pages of, of your book, you, there's, a, there's a survey, for example, of 50,000 CEOs and owners. And one of the questions involved growing business value. And over 80% of the respondents knew that they had to grow value. And know uh, 50 or 60% were actively trying to grow value at that time. And only a small percentage were actually in the process of planning their exits. Mm -hmm. And even a smaller percentage of that, as you noted later on, actually would be capable of of exiting their business. They just weren't prepared. So that really highlighted to me the fact that all owners are going to leave the business at some point. All owners are going to want to start planning the business at some point. But what they really need to do is to grow value.
0: Yeah.
1: And and that need has it's, you know, if we if you've done that survey 20 years ago or you do it 10 years from now, the percentages are going to be the same. Yeah. Great majority of owners need to grow value. And it's the ultimate measure of business success, right? It really is. And and to be able to exit successfully, you have to have a business that can operate without the owner. So a lot of what we talk about and and you talk about as well in your program is the idea of creating transferable value, Mm -hmm. which means the ability of the business, at least in our definition, the ability of the business to maintain its income stream without the intervention of the owner. So the owner can retire, the owner can go away, the owner could die perhaps, and the business will continue with minimal interruption. So what does that require? And I think that's what your organization does. And that's what owner-based planning does as well, is to develop the tools, the process to move the business forward in terms of growing value, but also protecting it. Yeah. Also, if in our case, if something happens to the owner, if the owner dies, what happens to the, to the business? And we included that in owner-based planning because I've seen that happen when I practiced law for 30 years and in the process also of starting and running a BEI, we would see what happened when a business owner died. If it was a sole owner, usually the business did not continue because the, the owner was too important in the business. She hadn't created transferable value. Um, and you can have the same scenario in a co owned business. If one owner dies, unless per, Provision has been made for continuing that business and not just transferring ownership in a buy-sell agreement, Yeah, but also making sure the cash flow continues, the management team stays, and all of that. So that's that's what we do in BEI and owner-based planning is just a is a part of exit planning in a sense, but it's a standalone entity. If you have clients who simply want to grow value or, or you recognize the need that they have to grow value then owner based planning has the tools the software etc t- to enable the advisor to do that
0: yeah it's it's fascinating and that's why you and I you and I ended up actually you were gracious enough to come to our conference yeah. and you and I co-presented on on this exact topic because that's the intersection um, when we talk about growing transferable value, we t- we are talking about reducing owner dependence, and uh, making sure that what a lot of business owners don't get. Now, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, in case you don't know, John invented exit planning. I'm not. I'm saying that with a smile on my face. I'm thrilled to be having this conversation with you. You were the first guy to describe it as such. Write a series of books to turn it into a, a uh, to, to turn it into a training and then a credentialing program. Very highly respected, rigorous. Um, and you have a, a huge community. You have impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of advisors, and through them, um, and this is, you know, sort of our vision and mission as well: tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of businesses. And that, if you guys think about the impact that has on communities and real lives, it is it's profound. So, John, what you and I got into was all right. We need to have an effective senior leadership team. And if we're going to have an effective senior leadership team, and I'll pull it out of the growth drive methodology and just put it in lay terms, what do we need? And, and this is why I got so excited about owner-based planning. Do you mind highlighting the types of retention um, and performance and behavior that, that, that owner-based planning can, uh, can, you know, kickstart and reward?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, Given a lot of thought to how our two approaches to helping owners do exactly that, our goal is the same, but what we act, our organizations actually do is quite different. Mm-hmm. So I view what our members do is provide incentives for performance, usually on the part of management. Whether it's an incentive plan, uh, whether it's a stock plan where we're going to include ownership, again, based upon the key people performing at some ever-increasing level. So we provide that approach. You, on the other hand, actually, I, I view it as digging into the middle of this business and yeah. figuring out what has to physically occur for the business to do what the owner wants it to do. Yes. So it's more than just incenting key people. It's more than just even attracting them. It's actually getting them to perform according to, well, growth drive methodology. Mm-hmm. And then putting that together with an incentive package, uh, a retention package, et cetera, to me is, is really an elegant solution for, for most owners.
0: Absolutely, and so much more sophisticated than than many advisors bring to the table. And I, I encourage our our community members to participate, and, and they are in your in this training, the one you're putting on uh, tomorrow, and periodically throughout the year. Yeah. And and because you're talking about you know sophisticated sophisticated tools that protect cash, and and I'll get on my soapbox a little bit, but. You know, you are you are creating, you know, deferred compensation incentive plans. You're talking about stay bonuses that are that may be co-funded, whether that's term insurance or or whole life. You're talking about uh, you're talking about uh, phantom stock or synthetic equity plans, all of which, by the way, protect um, the business's cash and our And our our methodology is the three dimensions of growth. And the first dimension, the launch pad for growth, the anchor, the, you know, the most important thing is having predictable profits and cash flow or predictable, profitable cash flow. And, uh, and care to comment on that, John?
1: Yeah. You made me think of something else though, George, (laughs) in that comment, you know, that's all a hundred percent accurate, but the other side of, in addition to incentive planning, in growth and owner-based planning, we also focus on preventing preventing damage from happening to the company, often caused by its employees. So, if when we have senior management, senior leadership we're providing an incentive plan, they're understanding what they need to do internally to grow value. We also want to make sure that if should they leave, they cannot they they cannot take employees. They cannot take vendor relationships. They cannot take trade secrets, et cetera. So we combine the incentive side with also the protection side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's what I mean. About I behavior. have seen, yeah.
1: we're talking before we started this podcast, but the greatest learning experience for me in doing exit planning and owner-based planning is the mistakes that owners make. And we come in afterwards trying to clean it up and it's not, it doesn't happen. One would be not having employment agreements with your key people with non-solicitation provisions. That's a mistake. They can leave. They can take all of the important customers, vendors, trade secrets of your business, of your business, unless you take steps to protect it. So you combine that with incentive planning. Um, so that's and there's all kinds of other uh, provisions one can take to protect the value of the company you know and, and, and you
0: you share a story about if if <clears throat> memory serves about a um, a they weren't a construction a manufacturing business where yeah I can see you just recognize the story and the guys left and and what happened? Uh, when the, when their key employees left,
1: yeah. So that that was uh, actually I've got a lot of stories like that where the key employees left and the business shut down. But the one that's the most dramatic, I think, was when I we were I was still practicing law. I was called in to represent a group of four owners uh, who wanted to do some planning work, and they had a fantastic facility. It was. It was a door framing and door construction business, and they had, you know, $15 million of revenue. They were making $3 million of EBITDA, and I asked them, I said, boy, how long have you guys had this business? It's wonderful. You could eat off the, the factory floor. It was so clean. And they said, oh, we've had it for two and a half years. <laughs> I said, What? How did you create this in two and a half years? He said, well, you know, we were kind of the management at this much larger company, just like ours. And we didn't think we were treated very well. So we left. And would you know that all of the major customers, the really good employees, they all came with us. To the extent that the national company left Colorado. It shut down and they just got all of the business overnight. That was an example of simply not protecting their most valuable asset, which is their key employees.
0: Yeah. That's Uh, that's like an egregious example, not egregious happy ending, whatever. I'm sure there were some, I I always want to dig into culture. I'm sure there were some cultural issues of the national. Oh yeah, I'm sure there were. Because if people, when customers and employees leave the business like that in a chunk, there's there's always, they're not to blame. Yeah. And and I think in
1: this case that I cited, the ownership just wasn't involved. So there was nothing keeping these four bright, ambitious people from doing exactly what they did.
0: It's interesting because with, with, uh, with, you know, if we, if we do the right planning, we can have contracts that are kind of the stick and, um, Deferred comp—that's the carrot. I was like, "Listen, if I have a contract, and also you're not going to get paid, so let's let's behave." Uh, you know, when I mentioned behavior earlier, I love that. I'm a—I'm a like I said, I'm a huge fan of owner-based planning of the conversation. And one of the things, and and, and so I just take a step back and talk about our two communities. Your community, how would you characterize the the professions? Uh, represented like what's the dominant professions represented in the BEI community
1: yeah well that's it's interesting it's changed or it's evolved over the years Uh, starting out it was a lot of CPAs and lawyers Mm -hmm. uh, doing exit planning Uh, but over time it's evolved to financial planning planners and insurance advisors yeah and I think there's a number of reasons for that. But one of the biggest reasons is, and that sounds like I'm beating on my old profession, but it's think it's true. Lawyers, by and large, are not planning oriented.
0: I, I'm, a,
1: I'm, a, I'm an attorney, you know, yeah. as you know, we just don't we don't have the we have plenty of work to do. So we're just doing reactive type. We're reacting to a situation, mm-hmm. correcting a situation for the most part. Um, and the same with CPAs and and CPAs have ch- their practices have changed a lot over the years to the point where most CPA firms now that I see are so busy doing financial reporting and tax returns. They're not doing any outbound tax planning and things like that. Uh, so. One is that they're, those professions aren't as active in farsighted planning and secondly, financial advisors, insurance advisors are more planning oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they take more naturally to creating value. And again, obviously the financial insurance advisors can informally fund deferred compensation planning. When we talk about, you know, making sure the business continues if the owner doesn't, that's clearly a lot of insurance needs in there. Um and I think through owner-based planning, the insurance advisor sees much more opportunity than they thought was there. And the yes. big example I like to give is sole-owned businesses, like which are half of all companies. Half yeah. of the companies in this country with fewer than 100 employees are solely owned. Well, what happens if that owner dies? Yes. It's a problem. and. And so there's a lot of just the businesses collapse, the guarantees are called, the performance bond is called, and it's just just a mess. And I've yeah, seen too many of those shit. to be happy about it.
0: This episode is brought to you by Growth Drive. Growth Drive is the number one best-selling business advising platform with training, technology, and support you need to get the success you want. Find and win new engagements, expand your reach and impact, and build a thriving advisory business based on delivering client wins. Growth Drive. Find out more at growthdrive.com.
1: So now we have tools that can prevent that or mm-hmm. can alleviate that uh, in owner-based planning as well as exit planning.
0: You know, it's interesting, John, because I talk about make it, make your business immortal, right? We need to help business owners understand that their business, they shouldn't view the business through the lens of their career, which may end here. The business needs to go on to greater glory. It needs to continue to grow going into the future because if it doesn't, they can't, first of all, the business doesn't have value, transferable value. There, It's going to at, at a minimum have friction when they leave. At worst, cease doing That's business. Closure, which, yeah. yeah, which has a profound impact on all of the stakeholders, the employees lose their jobs, the suppliers, the vendors, the distribution, you know, the community that this business helps support um, takes a, you know, takes a body blow. Now, when we talk about creating an immortal business, what you've just described uh, is the intersection We it's collaborative accountability. If you imagine having a business advisor who has a client and he says, you know, let's, let's, Let's talk about how to make sure you're what we've just discussed, right? Your senior leadership team is incented, is, uh, you know, that there's a carrot and a stick because they're going to have to do the extra work it takes to grow the business. Let's make sure there's a what's in it for them that, oh, by the way, it's what's in it for them. It is protects cash and is accretive to value. And we're talking about in its most simple term insurance that will make sure that the business is, in fact, immortal, that when, you know, that, you know, when they if the owner has to leave the business for some reason, 50 percent of exits, right, 50 percent of exits are not voluntary. They're not planned. Um, so now if we talk about collaborative accountability, you have a business advisor who can bring in a, a personal advisor, an insurance or wealth advisor to do the planning to do. OK, well, that you know, wealth. RIA has. Attorneys that can do a non-qualified deferred comp plan. They can do the tax planning. They can do they can write the insurance, et cetera. It's yeah. a terrific collaboration. I hate the word referral. Collaboration between two pros that is incredibly good for the business.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree. You know, and you make me, uh, you've caused me to think about it. Uh, one of the very few quotations I can remember. Uh, and it's from a guy by the name of Peter Drucker. Oh, I may have heard of him. <laughs> yes, you may have heard Probably the most famous business consultant of all time. Yep. He made a statement in one of his books that said, you need to hire top management before you can afford them. So his point was, really, it's all, it boils down to having the best possible management, well-trained, well-incented, and by doing that, we can create what we started to call transferable value. Yeah. So things all kind of center around the, the ability of that management team. And I've seen businesses where there was no there was a successful business making you know a million dollars of EBITDA a year or more, but it was because of the owner.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And if the owner tried to sell, he couldn't. He couldn't sell it because right. no buyer would want to buy it without the owners remaining indefinitely. <laughs> so that's a real problem or the owner dies and the business collapses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so important to develop that management team uh, if you want to grow the business. Yeah, a- absolutely.
0: And you never know, you know, unfortunately life comes at you fast and we all, we all have stories. I could tell a personal story about, you know, you wake up one morning and your world has has turned on its axis and you know, you you may not be able, with all the best intentions in the world, you may not be able to to go and work in your business. And what happens then? And as and as planners, as so strategic planning, I believe deeply needs to consider the human factor, and that's where owner based planning is so yeah, so right.
1: effective. So George, you know, where would Your advisors that you train and support, how do they fit into this picture that we're talking about? When do they begin that relationship? I want to make sure I answer the correct question. When you say that relationship, what are you getting
0: at specifically?
1: The the planning relationship with the business owner.
0: Yeah, we train. So when we train people, what I recommend, we're not a franchise. You can do whatever you want. But what we train on is to say, listen, your, your first conversation, you're doing a couple of things. First of all, you're qualifying your client. If you're a business advisor, and we, we work with everything from what um, wealth advisors who just want to create awareness and start to educate the client through fractional CXOs, right? And mm-hmm. most, of, most of our community, the middle of the bell curve there is people who are the architects. They're creating the plan. And the general contractors who are turning that plan into reality, general contractors don't have a hammer, right? They have a phone and they're, you know, so architects and general contractors. And what we train on, John, is to say, listen, you're going to want to qualify clients. If you're going to want to be the architect and the general contractor, you can't work with just because someone has a pulse and owns a business does not mean they're a good client. We start with a growth conversation and that growth conversation is, and I've said it a Is really, is sort of an exit planning conversation because we're saying, listen, where does this lead? Where does this go? How does your story play out? And how does your business, how is your business positioned to be an ingredient of that story? If you would like to take your husband and move to a, a villa in Tuscany, fantastic. The business is going to have to deliver that cash. How will the business get there? So, We start with a conversation before we even get into our clarity software. We want to have a conversation about where are you going? What are your dreams? What are your what are your financial aspirations for yourself and for your stakeholders? And and are you the type of person with whom I think I can work long term? How do we start with execution? Uh, Start with the end in mind. I think that's also Peter Drucker. Um, Start with execution in mind. So we start there and that that we we try to create a strategic plan that aligns personal goals and professional goals at the same point on the horizon. And at that point you don't have to do something you, what 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 we want to make sure is you have as a business owner you have options. Here by by doing this work and getting to this point 5 years hence you could sell the business to a third party. You could Continue doing what you're doing. Just keep on keeping on, keep on, you know, use it, keep it, continue to take cash out of the business to fund your, your, you know, to fund your portfolio. Great. You could uh, sell it to management. What would that look like? You could gift it to your child or, or otherwise transfer it to the next generation. Um, you know, you could be doing it on ESOP. Love ESOPs. Um, you know, there are a bunch of things we can do. How do we create those options at, the, at that point on the horizon? Did I answer your question?
1: Yes, I, you, you did talk, though, a little bit about you really emphasized the importance of senior. You call it senior leadership. I like that term, by the way. Yeah. Um, Thank you. That tends, that's that did you come up with that term? I just well, as senior leadership team is kind of become
0: a, a phrase. I hate the term management. Um, I love the term. You know, I don't like manage. I do love lead. So that's why I, I really have wrapped. Okay. Yeah, I like that. You talk about the. Thank you.
1: So, you emphasize that. How do you work with a business owner uh, in discussing the role of senior leadership? And if, and how might you, I guess, include in that discussion some of the incentive planning and other tools that we use in owner based planning? Sure. Kind of wrap this would be a nice little wrapped present. <laughs> And all the elements
0: exactly. Well, we start Act One, Scene One um, in the in the growth drive methodology. The three dimensions of growth, right? Um, is the first dimension is predictable profits and cash flow, and the first thing on which we focus is effective senior leadership team, and, and we want you to to we want to help the owner understand the power, the transformative power, um, and the the immortality that they create when they have an effective senior leadership team. What is an effective senior leadership team? Well, that they get along is a nice to have. It really is nice, right? To come into work, to work with people you like and care about. That's great. But that's not a must have, right? Read Abraham Lincoln's team of rivals. They're going kind to of have people who hate each other and are still an incredibly effective leadership team. Now. Um, so when we start talking, the first question in, in our inquiry is, well, listen, as the owner, as the share, let's just say one shareholder, to keep it simple. Have you defined a, a goal for the business? That can be a revenue goal. It can be a value goal. It can be a you know, number of different goals. Have you defined a goal for the business that's time bound? And have you communicated that to your senior leadership team? So right away, we're getting into, are you, are you willing to be transparent and vulnerable with your senior leadership team. Because if you're not, here's a qualification question that I'm putting an X in. I'm not, you're not getting a check mark. And I as I would, I would be saying, hmm, you know, that's kind of a warning flag. But let's say they are. Well, if you were going to have a time bound, I need the business to deliver $20 million in assets to me um, in five years. Terrific. Have you told your senior leadership team? Yes. What's in it for them? That's the next question, right? If they're going to be aligned with and accountable to that goal, we can either take a totalitarian approach because I pay you, Dagnabbit. My name's on your check. Get back to work. Or, you know what, John, I'm going to give you phantom stock in the business. I'm going to make sure. Now, at the end of the year, I don't want to be writing big checks out of cash, non-qualified deferred comp. Um, You know, there are a number of different ways to approach this. All those come out of owner based planning, how to have that conversation and the tools to use and importantly, the relationships to have. I'm not saying that our guys should become insurance salespeople. No, have a relationship with an Or as you approach a, a personal advisor, wealth insurance advisor, have a conversation that says, listen, here's what's in it for you. I want to collaborate with you we train our people again it's not a franchise i don't put a gun to their head but we train our people that that listen if you're going to collaborate with if i were to meet you as an as an insurance uh as an insurance advisor you have a rolodex full of business owning clients that say listen john um do you you do you have clients who have three million or more of gross annual revenues? sure i do okay I'm I'm going to propose that we sit down with some subset of those and let's do a trial run. In fact, you and I can do it face to face without anyone else in the room. But I want to sit down with a business owner and I want to help I'm going to lead a conversation in which I'm going to increase your relevance to an impact on the value of the business over the long term. Uh, your relevance to an impact on protecting cash flow over the long term, creating an immortal business over the long term. And when I work with you, John, I am going to CC you on the emails. You're going to know about meetings before they occur. I'm going to keep you briefed on, a, on an ongoing basis um, about what's going on in the business. And, and you know, that's how I work. And I want to because I want to have a collaborative and accountable relationship with you as we work together, because these are complementary professional goals as we work together to get the client to let's make it easy a successful transfer of value a recapitalization to a third party etc
1: does that make did i answer your question yeah i think so okay think cool so. so you 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 really want to partner in a sense with that other advisor yeah. and you help them grow value and they then do what they do whatever their profession yeah. is makes a lot well, of sense and-
0: and you you mentioned it, and I believe, you know, what do we see? We see Morgan Stanley, UBS, Raymond James, Na- Ma- Mass Mutual. Very close. We have a very close relationship with Mass Mutual. We see these 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 large financial services institution, insurance services and product institutions, getting involved in um, in the businesses. Why? Well, because they want to be relevant. Um, and they should be, right? They This is a, 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 at the transaction so that they are they maximize, they help their clients maximize their value so that they get away from what used to happen, which would be I'm writing a financial plan for you. I say, hey, John, what's your business worth? 26 million, 26 million, end of the plan. And that's literally, I'm not,
1: you, yeah. know, you
0: and I are smiling, but that's literally what was said. No, oh, 26 million. How do you know that? Oh, I had a valuation done when I did my, when I did my, my buy sell agreement. Oh, great. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't even, we don't have enough time to talk about that. But, um, but yeah, we want to make sure that the, that the, that everyone growing a business and exiting a business is a team sport. No one can do it alone. Having, and the, the perhaps the most natural, there are kind of, there are four, four people, four horsemen of the apocalypse at the table. We need a, we need a strategic doer, right? The strategic planning and doing. We need an attorney. We need an accountant and the right, the right attorney and the right accountant. And we need a wealth and insurance person. And if you think about those, that those four. Um, I know there are other folks that we, but we, if we're going to approach a transaction, we absolutely, in the run-up to that transaction, those four pros need to be at the table. Do you, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, in a longer term relationship over years, you will tend to include more advisors. Yeah. Professionals. Absolutely. Uh, But the core would, would be the insurance financial advisor, CPA, lawyer, and the growth advisor,
0: and and, and and what we're what we're hitting on here, you and I, is a you know sort of to toot our own horns, but we're talking about a more sophisticated level of strategic planning and strategic growth execution than you're going to get from an EOS implementer or from a gazelle or from you know frankly from some of the best of the best, the uh, the pinnacle guys, great people, right? Uh, these are all good consummate professionals. We are simply bringing a higher level of game to the table that applies to to businesses. You know, when we get past that two and a half, three million dollar gross revenue threshold, that applies especially well to those businesses. And uh, and it sure is fun, and 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 it delivers a lot of good. Uh, delivers a lot of good.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: John we've been chatting hard to believe we've been chatting for a half hour now this is how our conversations go right we just <laughs> we're, we're on a roll um if i could if in closing if i might ask you just one question um and it and and uh i'd love to get your perspective what is one thing that you think that um either a, a business advisor uh, or a ceo should know like what would you want them what's the one
1: thing they should know about a business owner or the business or how to plan or exactly um you know yeah. like you're like if
0: you just met like listen if there's one thing i can tell you let's focus on business advisors if there's one thing one piece of wisdom i can share with you it would be
1: hmm. i mean that, that's good um I don't, I just can't, I can't think of just one thing that I would want to know about a business owner. I'd want to know a lot of things. Okay. Uh, I, I suppose the biggest difficulty or shortcoming that advisors create for themselves <clears throat> is they try to jump to a solution too soon. Oh. You know, it's it, it's not it, the life insurance guy is trying to sell life insurance. Mm-hmm. The estate planner is trying to develop an estate plan without really knowing enough about the owner's family and the owner's goals. And it's it's because I have a hammer, George, yeah, and you're the, the nail, right? The old old right saying. But that's the biggest problem. Then they end up. Shooting themselves in the foot when they do that because the owner's not going to go for that. So mm-hmm. we have to offer value. Mm-hmm. We have to show how we can help the owner with his issue. Yeah, not our solution. And I think that's the biggest problem that I see. And there's a there's a saying that if I can just remember it, you know, in order to represent somebody, a business owner. You have to show them that they have an issue that you can solve. If you can't do that, then you're not going to get a client. So that's not by telling them they need life insurance or they need an estate plan. It's finding out what in the heck they need. And it may have right. nothing to do with your profession initially. Uh,
0: and by the way, I mean, and, and what's more honest than saying, you know what, I, that's not something without checking help you. You should talk to you, you should talk to John Brown. The I absolutely love that answer, John. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is you know we, now we're approaching the conversation as with true with true deep listening, right? We're listening to hear the client. We're not listening for a dog whistle to pounce on with with <laughs> strategic planning, right? We're listening. It's like I like
1: that dog oh, whistle God. metaphor, though. I have to say.
0: <laughs> well, we do. You know, uh, I met Kevin Knebel, K-N-E-B-L. Uh, at your conference last year, participated in a, in a day-long workshop. Kevin has a great saying, and, and we should all remember it. Don't show up with commission breath. Don't <laughs> show up with commission breath. If you're going to sit down and have a conversation with a business owner, do not show up with commission breath because they can smell it, and it is not attractive. Show up yeah, and, and, and they're be on, they're on transparent. Guard. Yeah. They're
1: worried that that's going to be the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth is, yeah how they can solve their problems with just this one product, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's so what we base to planning businesses. and what you, what, and growth drive, it's a, it's a long engagement. Yeah. It might be years mm-hmm. of working with a business owner, or helping them solve all kinds of issues. Some of which your profession can resolve and many of which it can't. And that's the reason really then to develop this team of advisors that you talked about. Yeah. And we have a, a recommendation called a business roundtable. We help mm-hmm. our members, whether on our base planners or exit planners, create a team of advisors. Mm-hmm. You mentioned there's, there's three or four to begin with, but as you become more experienced and do more work, you're going to be adding other advisors, sure. uh, investment bankers, mm-hmm. business brokers, uh, ser- search firms for key employees, all of those will be part of the, I know, tool chest that you have available to help a business owner. Most of those tools are not going to benefit the exit planner or the owner base planner or the growth drive planner directly. Mm-hmm. but They're going to help the owner.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And,
1: and that's what we try to create. Uh, it's, and and I just like what we like to say. That's why we plan.
0: That's why we pay. I know that's your, it's your tagline. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Awesome, John. Listen, thank you very much. This is a fun You're conversation. You're more than
1: welcome. It's been and, a pleasure.
0: And uh, yeah, and, and there will be more. Okay, I'm going to. I hope that,
1: Well, does that exceed your your length of your podcast? Nope.
0: No. You know, it's it's all. I'm going to stop the recording. And hi, this is George. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe, like, and please take two secs to leave a review. It tells the world that you like what we're doing and it helps us understand how we can improve the show. Thank you and see you next time.